Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Wow. Today is Friday, April 24th, 2020. And hasn't March just, uh, you know, been insane and April's just taking the cake? I mean, I just can't wait for May. It's been just one quarter of this year and we've had like 20 years of revelations, you know, uh, pretty quick, if you ask me. And so many things have happened overnight that are just incredible, uh, you know, from uh, uh, so much stuff coming up seven months later that it's just, I mean, you don't even know what to do. You're like a kid in a candy store. And now everyone's starting to understand exactly where we are as citizens, as people receiving information. It's just so incredible. I, I hope you guys see it too, because the invisible enemy that the president is talking about is even more apparent. And I'm hoping throughout all this time that we spend on the airwaves together, you are understanding that too, that your reality is what you make of it. Don't allow anyone to hack it. You're the guiding force. You're the one that shines a light and puts it where it needs to be. So yesterday was a very interesting day. Interesting in the fact that, um, uh, I mean, I, I don't know what to say. Um, lots of revelations. So to make this even clearer, I think the most important part of yesterday's conference should be played right out of the gate. So that way we know how to identify the gates of hell as well. So take a listen. Mr. Mr. President, for this opportunity to do... Oh, I just wanted to say, this is Acting Homeland Security Undersecretary for Science and Tech, William Bryan speaking. And his most key phrase is, our most striking observation to date is the powerful effect that solar light appears to have on killing the virus, both surfaces and in the air. Just take a listen. ...do this today. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name is Bill Bryan, and I lead the Science and Technology Directorate at the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Over the last several months, we've intensified the department's R&D efforts to identify and deliver information that informs our response to COVID-19. S&T is working to identify, develop, deploy, and deploy the tools and information to support our response to this crisis. As part of our efforts, we're leveraging the unique capabilities of S&T's National Biodefense Analysis and Countermeasure Center to study the biology of the COVID-19 virus. This center is a high biocontainment laboratory located in Frederick, Maryland. Uh, it was established in the early 2000s in response to the Amerithrax attacks, uh, and where we study, characterize, analyze, and develop countermeasures for biological threats to the homeland. We work closely with the CDC, FDA, HHS, and also our Department of Defense colleagues and many others. Yesterday, I shared the emerging results of our work that we're doing now with the Coronavirus Task Force. And today, I would like to share certain trends that we believe are important. If I may have the first slide, please. And while that's coming up, our most striking observation to date is the powerful effect that solar light appears to have on killing the virus, both surfaces and in the air. We've seen a similar effect with both temperature and humidity as well, where increasing the temperature and humidity or both is generally less favorable to the virus. So let me illustrate with this first slide. If you look to the right, you'll see that term half-life with a bunch of timestamps on there. Uh, first, let me tell you what a half-life is. We don't measure the virus as far as how long will it live on a surface. We have to measure the decay of the virus in terms of its half-life, 
because we, we, we don't know certain elements. We don't know how much a person expectorates when he, when he spits, right, when he sneezes, whatever the case may be. We don't know how much a virus is in there. So it's, that, that has a, a, long, a bearing on how long the virus is going to be alive and active. So we measure it in half-life because half-life doesn't change. So if you look at an 18-hour half-life, what you're basically saying is that every 18 hours, the virus, the life of the virus is cut in half. So if you start with 1,000 particles of the virus, in 18 hours, you're down to 500. In 18 hours after that, you're down to 250, and so on and so forth. That's important, as I explain the rest of the chart. If you look at the first three lines, when you see the word surface, we're talking about non-porous surfaces, door handles, stainless steel. And if you look at the, as the temperature increases and as the humidity increases with no sun involved, you can see how drastically the half-life goes down on that virus. So the, the virus is dying at a much more rapid pace just from exposure to higher temperatures and just from exposure to humidity. If you look at the fourth line, uh, you inject summer, the sunlight into that, you inject UV rays into that, the same effects on line two at 70 to 75 degrees with 80% humidity on the surface and look at line four, but now you inject the sun, the half-life goes from six hours to two minutes. That's how much of an impact the UV rays has on the virus. The last two lines are aerosols. What does it do in the air? We have a very unique capability. I was discussing this with the president prior to coming out. He wanted me to convey it to you on how we do this. I believe we're the only lab in the country that has this capability. But if you can imagine a Home Depot bucket, a five-gallon Home Depot bucket, uh, we're able to take a particle, and this was de uh, developed and designed by our folks at the NBAC. We're able to take a particle of the virus and suspend it in the air inside of this drum and, and, and hit it with various temperatures, various humidity levels multiple different kinds of environmental conditions to include uh, sunlight, and we're able to measure the decay of that virus while it's suspended in the air. This is how we do our aerosol testing. We worked with John Hopkins Applied Physics Lab, and we actually developed a larger drum to do actually more testing, and it's four times the size of that. So this is the capability that we bring to this effort. So in summary, within the conditions we've tested to date, the virus in droplets of saliva survives best in indoors and dry conditions. The virus does not survive as well in droplets of saliva, and that's important because a lot of testing being done is not necessarily being done, number one, with the COVID-19 virus, and number two, in saliva or respiratory fluids. And thirdly, the virus dies the quickest in the presence of direct sunlight under these conditions. And when you, when you look at that chart, look at the aerosol as you breathe it. You put it in a room, 70 to 75 degrees, 20% humidity, low humidity, uh, it lasts, the half-life is about an hour, but you get outside and it cuts down to a minute and a half. Very significant difference uh, when, it, when it gets hit with UV rays. Mr. President, while there are many unknown links uh, in the COVID-19 transmission chain, we believe these trends can support practical decision-making to lower the risks associated with the virus. If I could have my next slide, and when that, while that comes up, you'll see a number of some practical applications. For example, increasing the temperature and humidity of potentially contaminated indoor spaces appears to reduce the stability of the virus. And extra care may be warranted for dry environments that do not have exposure to solar light. We're also testing disinfectants readily available. We've tested bleach. We've tested isopropyl alcohol on the virus, specifically in saliva or in respiratory fluids. And, and I can tell you that bleach will kill the virus in five minutes. Isopropyl alcohol will kill the virus in 30 seconds, and that's with no manipulation. 
no rubbing, just spraying it on and leaving it go. You rub it and it goes away even faster. We're also looking at other uh, disinfectants, specifically looking at the COVID-19 virus in saliva. This is not the end of our work as we continue to characterize this virus and integrate our findings into practical applications to mitigate exposure and transmission. I would like to thank the president, thank the vice president for their ongoing support and leadership to the department and for their work in addressing this pandemic. I would also like to thank the scientists, not only in S&T and the NBAC, but to the larger scientific and R&D community. Thank you very much. Oh, very telling. But, you know, this is this is the part where you go, hmm, wait a minute. They're talking about light. <laughs> Remember, evil hides in dark. Viruses are actually endogenous to the body. That is something that they are. They're endogenous to the body. They cannot live without a host, which is you or any cell, right? And uh, coronaviruses are smart. Now, regardless of what your, uh, you know, <laughs> soon to be old news mainstream media tell you, uh, they're easily taken care of because they are an external threat. Your body can actually uh, heal it, and we have the tools to do it that do not require medications. Now, let's let's just take a think. So the president is telling the world that, hey, there are alternative methods to this. You probably don't need a vaccine, and this can be the excuse to cure everything. Remember how everyone joked, if President Trump cures cancer, <laughs> they're going to call it racist, or they're going to want their cancer back? Well, here you go. Because this technology, and I've said this before many, many times, we have technology that we are not able to access, right? We are not allowed to have access to technology that is allowed for other people. You know, you sit there and you cock your head and you're like, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had, you know, has seasonal cancer. It always happens when she's up for her annual photo in October, November, right? But she survived. Soros has had how many? Rothschild has had how many transplants? Now, we'll talk about the transplants another time, but let's just say clones' lives matter. Now, we have technology beyond anything you might think of that is not you know, crazy. It's not something fictional. It's something very real. And, you know, light therapy, I've said it before. I don't know if I've said it on air, but I tell my friends this all the time. You know, when I, when I left, uh, the state of Oregon, I was very disappointed because I didn't have access to red light therapy. Now it's, you know, uh, this, I have this weird little tumor that doesn't want to go away. And, you know, that actually brings me a lot of discomfort. And I refuse to, uh, you know, go through traditional, uh, therapies, uh, because, you know, I studied that and I refuse to be in the firing line, you know, blindly going. I mean, I tried it it didn't work and some things did and some things didn't. But when I had access to this, I was feeling great. I had absolutely no pain from adhesions, you know, from the surgeries. I had nothing and it was just red light therapy. And so light therapy is something that people don't tell you. And the thing is, the reason that I tried this red light therapy, believe it or not, right, was because I had seen a study at the university that I was attending. The same university, uh, you know, obviously the College of Pharmacy in Kentucky at the University of Kentucky. Kentucky actually was the one that, uh, you know, 
created chewing gum for the armed forces where they don't need a toothbrush. I kid you not. Very specific. They also were the ones that created the actual medication that helps people revive themselves from OD, you know, right up the nose and it aggregates it and it doesn't penetrate the blood brain barrier, but it actually, it's like a sponge, the the mechanism, just so that you can understand it better. So I was privy as a, you know, as a student to have access to incredible things that led me to other incredible things and with research to see. And so I saw that for soldiers that were, um, you know, that had um, done extensive um, physical training after losing limbs, etc., were always treated with light therapy. And they were part of like this research group and the results were great. And this is, and guess where I found it? A tanning salon. I kid you not. A tanning salon had red light therapy. They were charging something like, uh, what was it? $60 for half an hour. And it's like, oh, you get in here and it's like infrared and this is hot and then it changes and it's just this light, you know, and then Planet Fitness went on and got these red uh, total recovery pods. They have red lights, but you know, so many people use it. How effective is it? But it's still something, right? So on the International Space Station, they use UV light. Uh, they, I mean, you should see some of the experience, experiments, experiments. Uh, which we'll talk about at another time that Sir Branson, you know, who's asking for money and help has done with his Virgin Galactic. Actually, I had reached out to him in 2010 through the Dana Reeves, uh, Dana and Christopher Reeves foundation, because I had done some research in how we can, um, minimize, um, paralysis in spinal cord injury. I wrote a paper on it. I, you know, it was, it wasn't published or anything. I guess it was just, you know, I, in my university, it did. And, uh, my professor, um, he, um, really liked it. I sent it to the Dana and Christopher Reeve foundation. I said, look, since we don't have mobile zero G, maybe we can actually run a test through virtual Virgin, um, Virgin Galactica because they do a lot of those experiments and one Harvard professor had knocked off an idea that I had uh, on how you know he used it for plants on how they grow and they grow in a more spiral form when there's zero gravity because they use something called gravitrons and they need gravity in order to know which way to grow up right um, but it, it was it was fascinating to see that there were so many clues leading to the fact that we already had these technologies, but they were not available to people. Like, you know, how do we not have a mobile zero G, uh, you know, capsule? I mean, we can have that. Why are people saying it's impossible? I mean, that was my proposition that, you know, there should be a way to be able to create a zero G environment in all, you know, road accidents. Um, and that we should invest in that technology because that ceases, uh, it suspends infection. It suspends, uh, secondary immune responses that are the cause, believe it or not, of most of your problems. And it suspends almost everything. And if you can have someone in that type of environment and pushing heavy ozone therapy, it's like your body is like, you know, its own doctor. But anyway, I digress. I get, I got into the more technical things. The point of this is, is there are therapies. 
Could you imagine if we could use a bronchoscope that had the ability to irradiate your lungs in a certain area? It's not do we or can we? It's already there. Catheterizing, you know, you 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 thread in a catheter through arteries, um, and, you know, to to go to the target area and irradiate that with light. That is also something that we have already. So why aren't we using them? Why are we allowed access? And the why is lobbyists, and the why is pharmaceutical companies, and the why is because they want you sick. And they want you uh, to be in that constant state of, you know, needing something, needing them. You know, the scariest thing that someone in power has, the fear that they have is that you don't need them, that they have no power over you. Uh, giving health independence, and I've said this before, everything in the world you can buy except for your health. And when you see people like, you know, Steve Jobs die, it's because they let him die. Understand that. Remember that. They let him die because he was no longer useful or compliant. To who? Them. So I just want you guys to take a step back and see it. Because we saw, you know... um, CNN and all these uh, insane media outlets start saying or pushing that President Trump had told people to drink bleach or, uh, you know, uh, di- you know, ingest Lysol. And that was great. I mean, he just trolled the heck out of them. And you know how this narrative goes where stupid Lysol comes out with the statement? Someone like Jim Acosta saying, the president said that, you know, disinfectants, uh, you know, maybe from within and then their testing might work. Uh, that means that people might actually start drinking Lysol or ingesting it or spraying it in their mouth. And now Lysol is like, oh, it's CNN is telling me this. MSNBC is telling me I better put out a statement because people are that stupid. I mean, we did have the Tide Pod generation, didn't we? So here is where they start to spin. And this is exactly why, uh, you know, uh, the president of the United States does this because this is how you can see who, what, when, and where I'm pretty a hundred percent sure that the communications that Lysol received are going to be obtained. And I would a private company, right? But this is, you know, if someone actually comes forward and says, oh, I drank it or there's a lawsuit, here's where we get all the emails. And you can see that your media is clearly your enemy. They are creating narratives. They are trying to push narratives and they can't. I mean, right now we have 25th uh, uh, Amendment now trending. Are you kidding Are you kidding? Trump is not a doctor. Never said he was. Those are the things that are trending right now. And it's so insane that that this is happening. But I, I kid you not. The people that you see talking to you online or the crazy liberals with the little blue waves, they're very few. The majority of them are fake. They don't even exist. They don't even exist. And speaking of don't even exist, I could tell you that I've been, I know everyone's been plowing through this uh, 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 patent with Microsoft about mining Bitcoin using humans. Huh. See, if you look a little bit more closely, I'll walk you through and we'll do this today in the second hour, what that really means. Because it's not what 
the people are interpreting it as as, and it's not something new. It's something that they anticipated with this pandemic. It's something that they're going to use on to you because they can. And how are they going to use it? You're going to let them use it. I mean, we already let them use it in some shape or form. And so, you know, after my first break, um, we're going to, I'm going to show you how there's always that one point, that one case, right? It's always a case, right? Uh, one case where all of this plays out so that you can see it. And like I said, North Dakota is a red state, but red for China. And it's very specific because yesterday I totally lost my mind when I heard him say, the governor of North Dakota, that they're going to be using 36 digits. That is something that should terrify every single one of you. Because as someone who, you know, I tell you I'm a time traveler, right? I tell you that I know my quantum computing and my algorithms. I mean, I've been saying it in a nice soft way. 36 digits is key. 36 digits is key. Oh, we're going to assign you a random 36 digits. And we're going to have to go back in time to some specific IBM device so you understand it. So I'm going to walk you through all of that and see how this patent comes in, but to see how the groundwork for it had already been done years ago. It was always the plan. So then all of you are going to be thinking, well, hold on a second. If we're part of this show, this Truman show... So ironic that they use the name Truman because Truman, oh, anyway, a lot was done under that man. Um, so when you see it unfold, you'll understand why we're where we at, where we are right now and what exactly is playing out before your eyes and you're just not seeing it. And while this movie is evolving, right, where you're watching, you know, People literally fighting, not just for your freedom right now, but for your kids and generations to come. All of their garbage is rising to the surface. I mean, I, I got a bunch of emails saying, why aren't you revisiting the Daniel Jones? Why aren't we talking about how Fusion GPS? Why? Because I already talked about it. I don't need to revisit that. That is taking its course. And we see that from what is coming out now. I mean, why did the Daily Caller talk about it seven months ago? I think I had enough evidence that was available aside from me just saying, yo, you know, I listened to the phone call. You know, Daniel Jones and Schiff were talking about this on April 10th. I couldn't say that yet, right? So all I had to do was find the right evidence to steer people in the right way. And now that's coming out, right? So as this movie where your health, which is the most prized possession, because why? You're the currency. You're the currency. You're the currency, right? Is planning, playing out. All of this is happening on the side. IRS movements, you know, uh, indictments, questioning, expansions, resignations, terror, fear. And then we have poor Roger Stone for just being the president's friend and confident, just like Manafort being wrapped up in a bow with an apple in their mouth and putting them into that oven. And you know what? And every single person out there is standing by and watching General Flynn. But again, these people that have been targeted for doing absolutely nothing 
but showing unwavering support for the man that stands in between them and you is incredible. And they will have their day. They will be where they need to be. And they have been tasked to bear this cross for all of us too. I just want to make that clear. They have been tasked to bear that cross for all of us. And many patriots out there, many with no name, many with no face, are bearing crosses with small little battles for you. Kind of like that woman in the park with her kids. She's bearing that cross for you. So what we should be doing is supporting these people in any way we can. Because they're bearing the brunt of it for us. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, we all need to hold each other up to cross these gaps and, you know, these portals of hell together uh, because it's unity. Because if you understand that where we go one, we go all, it all makes sense. I'll see you in a bit. Men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. Hi. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? 
I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. And we need more people like Laura Loomer in Congress. Go to lauralumerforcongress.com. And don't forget, go to the Stone. uh, uh, Go donate to Stone as well. Help him, right, at thestonedefensefund.com. All right. Okay. So welcome back, everyone. Uh, again, uh, the ads that I run are for people that we need to rally behind our president. He tells you clear in his speeches what he is all about. So when you see him have people, either be family, friends, or foes surrounding him that you don't agree with, just keep in mind that when it comes to the bottom line right? Because yes, he's one man. Yes, he may not have eyes of his own everywhere and has to trust others. But when it comes to the crunch and it has to be the deciding time, that's where he exercises his executive privilege, right? That is where we see him come and grow into what he said he would be doing. So trust that. I think it's very important to trust that. Now, um, A lot of people are starting to understand the dynamic between this invisible enemy that is not the virus, right? That is not the virus, but something bigger. And so this is speak parcel tongue, as one say. Um, Oh my gosh. And to say that, um, it's, it's like a purgatory of language, uh, where we're changing definitions and believe it or not, I just, I just can't, I can't wrap my mind around how many people jump on, um, definitions and statements made by others. You need to remember who you are. And I'm hoping during this shutdown, uh, your eyes don't need to wear those glasses anymore because you don't have to put on that mask when you go to work, you know, and keep your mouth shut. You don't have to put that mask to to ride the bus when someone's talking nonsense. You know, you just want to whiplash, but you swallow it, right? You're just sitting there like, "Mm," you know, it gives you time to be you. And it gives you time to see just how important it is that your connection with everyone else is fostered. Um, you know, communications, of course, um, right? Communications, of course, but (laughs) it's different. You're going to see that connection. You're, you're, you're all feeling that connection. There has been a shift, a shift of transparency like no other, So yesterday I actually played, um, a clip on air, which I'm going to start now because I need to introduce you to this again so that you understand where my problem was. This was kind of like the tip off. Here's where it kicks off. And I'm going to take you down the most, you're going to see how they pick one place, kind of like false flag moments, how they pick one place, one location, one person, because that's all it takes. 
When you want to, I remember my father telling me, you know, the difference between a, a glass of water being full and then spilling over is just one drop. He's like, and you decide when you want to be that one drop. So be patient. Well, the same goes for people that are deploying, uh, you know, nefarious and horrible things. So I'm going to introduce you, um, uh, once again to this governor of North Dakota, but before I do it, before I do it, I want us to listen to my favorite, of course, Tucker Carlson, who shreds a McKinsey partner over China's human rights violation. Why do I say this? Because unbeknownst to many before governor Doug Burgum went to Microsoft, He worked for these guys. So take a listen. And McKinsey are eager to fawn over the Chinese government, one of the most repressive regimes in the world. In an interview with China's government news service, for example, McKinsey's senior partner, Peter Walker, came off like a smitten teenager, all a flutter. Quote, what I discovered in China was the people were happy. They were proud. They were energized. The government officials I met genuinely wanted to do the right thing for the people. Well, as it turned out, that was just a taste of Walker's effusive praise for the communist government of China. Here's more. I think the Chinese people have realized that whenever they're upset by anything that happens, whether it was a Sichuan earthquake or SARS or what's going on with the price of pork, I think the people speak out loud and clear, and I think the government is largely responsive. But, you know, to me, that's just part of a system where they define democracy as responsive to the people. And I think they tend to, they tend to do that reasonably well. Walker says he has visited mainland China at least 80 times over the course of his long career. He's also written a book. It's called Powerful, Different, Equal, Overcoming the Misconceptions and Differences Between China and the United States. Chinese state propaganda authorities have publicly praised Walker's book as helpful to their cause. After we aired last night's segment, the snippet of which we just showed you, Peter Walker contacted our office here and asked for the chance to come on the show and respond to what we said. And we're glad he did. Peter Walker joins us tonight. Mr. Walker, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I want to get to something that you said. I want to start with the the pandemic, because that's why we're talking about China in the first place. And I want to get to something that you said to Bloomberg Television last month. And I'm I'm quoting you here. You said you were praising China's response to it. And you said, I'm quoting, when people look back at what was done with the magnitude of the quarantine in China, they are going to get high praise. Now, credible reports suggests that Chinese authorities locked people in their apartments and left them to die. We know they snatched people off the street and threw them into police vans. God knows where they went. That's the quarantine that you think they deserve high praise for. Why? Well, I I think, Tucker, if you just look at the results, okay, so I I know there's always going to be questions about exactly what the, the numbers are, but I think the harsh action that they took given the scale of China and the number of big cities in it, was exactly what they needed to do to be able to prevent the outbreak from going any further. And the reality is the outbreak hasn't gone much beyond Wuhan. Now, now having said all that, am I happy about their lack of disclosure and lack of transparency? Absolutely not. They should be faulted for that. They should be accountable for that. 
Okay. What would you say to the families of those who died, starved to death, alone in their apartments, or the people who are wondering where their relatives went after they were bundled into Chinese police vans? How would you square their grief with the praise you just heaped on the quarantine? Look, I I mean, at at the end of the day, you just have to look at the total picture. It's like when Cuomo gets on every night and when Trump gets on every night. Everybody's heart has to go out to every individual who died. And and it's part of the suffering that comes with this disease. And it's it's heartbreaking. Every single one of them is. But um, they had to do it. Otherwise, if you could imagine the scale of China, if that blew out in large numbers to other cities, Uh, the numbers would be off the charts. Well, Wuhan, where it began, is roughly the size of the New York metro area. We've lost more people in New York than the Chinese, at least publicly admit they lost in Wuhan. Given that you are praising their response, do you think American authorities would be warranted in locking infected New Yorkers in their apartment until they starve to death? Well, you know, I, I mean, the U.S., I think, got a late start when all is said and done. China got a late start, too. But I, but I think the U.S. Right. got a later start and was also more unprepared when it comes to having the kind of the people, staff, the health workers, the uh, the equipment that was required, the PTE, For sure. all of that. I think that's so, right. But, but so, if, if we had yeah, started so, so earlier, I, do you think it would have been wise to lock people in their apartments till they die? No, look, I mean, look, uh, there are a lot of things about China I don't like. And certainly those specific actions, I think, were overly harsh, were insensitive. What about the insensitivity that when your loved one is in the hospital because they broke their leg or your child breaks their finger, right? Or, you know, they get sick because, you know, reoccurring flare up, I don't know, congestive heart failure in diabetes, uh, high blood pressure. And they go into the hospital and the, and the hospital staff, while your loved one is scared, says you cannot enter. What about your loved one that is sitting in the hospital right now because they have another ailment, don't have coronavirus, and they're all alone with no family around them because they said so? Is that not disgusting? Isn't it? When you're 90 years old and your little old husband is by himself and your kids can't come and visit you, your grandkids can't come and visit you, you're just going to die faster. (laughs) That's it. It is terrible what they have done it and and all the while we see them posting videos of how much fun they're having down the hallways you know how much they're dancing and how great they are but the people that they're caring for that are not coronavirus are slowly dying inside because they can't see their loved ones they're all alone you know i'll tell you what when I was a student, I was working at the hospital, um, uh, both, you know, obviously for, for school reasons, uh, you know, doing round shadowing, but I also had like a paying job because I still had to feed my family. And I remember any time a patient was admitted into, uh, you know, the floors that I was working on, the homeless ones were the ones that I would always visit, uh, you know, every couple of hours, even though it wasn't my, um, you know, my job to, I would sit and I would talk with them. I would maybe bring them a comb. I mean, the nurses were very attentive. Don't get me wrong, but 
they didn't have a loved one to just talk smack. They didn't have a loved one to say, is there something you want? Would you like this? You know, nurses check up on their patients, but usually they're overloaded too, right? Uh, Cause hospitals like to cut corners. So they'll have one nurse with six patients and you're like, are you insane? This is the ICU. What are you doing? But you know, these, these patients, these people are people and people forget that. So aside from the homeless people that are left and statistics show that when you don't have family members visiting you and you're in the ICU, you're more likely to die. So, you know, imagine how they're feeling yet, uh, you know, you know, it's cruel to just lock them in their apartment. Well, we're doing that. We're locking and, and isolating people that are vulnerable, our loved ones and handing them over to staff that are probably, you know, too busy talking smack at the nurse's station than hanging out with them, maybe playing a game because they can't, obviously, because they're working. These are things we need that, that, um, I don't want to say leisure, but that feeling of being loved, even if you, you, you know what I mean? Everybody needs that. And this is what China did by locking people up, but this is what we're doing to the most vulnerable too. And that's insane because we're not a communist nation. They are. And you can't compare the United States, Peter Walker, with China. Yet we are in enforcing Chinese rules. You know, I am terrified every day if my kid decides, I'm just going to do a cartwheel here. I'm just going to do this because I'm like, dude, if she breaks something, if she gets a cut that, you know, and I don't have any sutures with me, if anything happens and I have to take her in, I can't be with her. I have to trust someone I don't know and having worked in a setting of hospitals and having seen, you know, they're not always very nice. They're overworked, tired, and now they're supposedly panicked with COVID. They will stay away from the patients even more. So think about that. Sometimes think about it when we're, you know, examining, well, we're doing great. The hospitals are not doing so great. If you can wear all this attire so that you can interact with the patient, you can have an outfit for the family member too. I just wanted to say that because that is something that really hits me to the core to think that these loved ones are not allowed to have someone. And when you're hurt, you know, and you're going to the hospital, you're scared innately. I don't care who you are. You're scared to be by yourself. And that is what isolation does. It amplifies fear. And if you're sick, statistics show again, in isolation, you're more likely to die. But anyway, let's keep going with McKinsey because I digress. It's only because I'm so passionate about that because the human uh, psyche, you know, is it needs to be fostered. And you know, that just shows the ethos, right? I've, I've talked about this before, the character of the people making these decisions. It seriously does. And, uh, and yeah, and, and China, China bears the brunt of that. They're accountable for that. I totally agree. Okay. Okay. So, um, you said that you don't like some of the things China has done. I just want to go to something that you have said. This is from your website that, that you do like, um, you were asked about the Uyghurs. Um, I'm sure you've been asked many times and you were contrasting human rights in the U S and China. You said in the U S human rights are inalienable and absolute human rights in China are relativist to be weighed against other societal needs. For example, you, you mentioned the Uyghurs, including food and shelter. You said, as an example, on the treatment of the Uyghurs, China would point to dramatic improvements in the Uyghurs' quality of life 
and that would include over the last 50 years in terms of literacy, prosperity, longevity, as well as a sharp reduction in Islamic terrorist incidents to the benefit of all Chinese. That's what China got out of putting a million people in concentration camps. Do you think that was a fair trade-off? It sounds like you do. No, no, actually, I don't. Um, I, I, I understand that from the government's point of view, clamping down on Islamic terrorism uh, was a high priority. And one of the things when you spend a lot of time in China, as I have, is they are fanatics about stability. Um, do I agree that locking down a million people in a tournament camp is a smart way to deal with Islamic terrorism? Absolutely not. Um, but I, I wonder, I wonder though, I, well, good. But, but may I ask, why, why would you note that their literacy had increased? I guess, I guess the obvious question is, who cares about your literacy if you're in a concentration camp? Yeah, but, yeah, but you know, that's a good point, Tucker. So let me, one, one of the th- This is where you show, you know, how good these concentration camps are. Are you getting this? And remember, Governor Doug Burgum worked for this firm with these ideas, these lobbyists slashed whatever you want to call them. Things in researching my book that just... These are the visible reality hackers, just so you know. ...became very clear to me because a lot of times I said that to Chinese people, I said, you got a lot of things going for why are you doing things the way you do? And one of the things you discover about the Chinese society, it's a collectivist society. So very different from the individualistic society of the U.S., individualistic i'm sorry um isn't the mainstream media telling us that we all have to think alike aren't the democrats pushing that we should all be alike aren't they trying to eradicate even the 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 idea of gender because we all should be vanilla and alike i'm confused so in china literally the way they would look at it is there are probably 80 million people in Qingchang where where the uyghurs live um we locked up one million um, and so 79 million people. Stop. Did you hear that? We locked up 1 million. Again, heard him say it. We locked up 1 million. Are materially better off in terms of the quality of life, standard of living and everything else. And it was only about one and a half percent that we locked up. That, that's how they think about it. Uh, do I agree right. with that? No, but, I don't agree with it. But, but the, that difference between collectivism and common good is a huge disconnect with the U.S. because we regard it, always have been proud of, every human life is sacred and therefore... But we promote abortions and fund them with federal tax dollars. Any injustice, injustice is, is something we ought to be railing against. And, and they're just not wired that way. Well, sure. And, and there, do, you, do you think it's a, a ge- when you say, well, let me just back up. Do you think it's a genetic question when you say they're not wired that way? No, no, no. It really goes back to Confucian values, you know, Confucian values. And I know there's been a lot of negative press on Confucian institutes. But if you just go back to Confucian values, uh, one of the things you learn is family first, society second, individual way down the totem pole. And the individual's role is right. self-improvement through education to better serve family and society. Right. You should be a slave to society. I mean, the family thing means society in Confucianism. But, you know, (laughs) let's not point out the real facts. These are the people that are telling you what to wear, eat, how to think, how to walk, how to talk.
right? And North Dakota was handpicked by Bill Gates. Handpicked. So whenever you talk to the Chinese about how is the country doing, they always go back to the broad base of maximum number of people out of poverty, education, whatever Oh, it is. I bet they do. We, I bet right. they do. I mean, that's, that's a pretty handy way to, to excuse putting a million people in a concentration camp. I wonder, though, and I, and I know it, it's hard. This is a problem in my life. It's hard to hear myself sometimes when I speak. But listening to you, this seems like a pure apology for fascist behavior. Well, look, I mean, let me, let me go back to what I said before. Uh, do I agree with putting a million people in, in, in internment camps? Absolutely not. You know, the U.S. went through this, too. I mean, we did this to the Japanese. No, no, actually, uh, actually, no, no, World actually, we didn't. Wait, no, no. Wait, OK, so if you're going to try to draw the moral comments, let me just ask you the obvious question, because I don't think anyone would do this for free. Yeah. How much money have yeah. you made over the course of your long career with McKinsey in China? Would you just if you could put a kind of rough estimate out there? It might be helpful to understand this. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not just ballpark. I, I probably I probably spent a quarter of my time in uh, in China over the course of roughly a dozen years, something like that. And uh-huh. so dollars, you know, I, I, prob- I guess I guess the I point probably- I'm making is this this country in in part at the urging of McKinsey is now so economically tied to China that you got to wonder if the values you describe, which are repulsive, I think most Westerners would agree with that, exterminating individuals for the sake of the group is repulsive. I wonder- It is repulsive, and that's the thing. They really don't care because it's all about money. Remember, everybody has a price, and their price is whatever a quarter of 12 years, which is four years, spent in China uh, made him. So take his net worth and maybe go there. Like, Why would we want to be aligned with a, a government that grotesque? Is that a fair question, do you think? Uh, well, look, I, I mean, the re- I'm, a, I'm a real pragmatist, Tucker. So the, so the way I look at well, it I can is, see. Um, w- w- you know, we, we as a country made a real mistake in not protecting our intellectual property. But the, the, the cow's out of the barn. And the reality is the Chinese momentum behind their economy is very strong. And, and the containment is too little, too late. So uh, as a pragmatist, I just basically say if China and the U.S. got together on the next coronavirus or got together on the Paris Accord. Wait, did you hear that? So this is since we didn't protect our intellectual property, since China is way ahead of the game than the U.S., this is what he's telling you right? Then we should just work together and maybe incorporate what they're doing because that'll make the world a better place. Are you listening to this? This is the translation. This is how we've lost the ability to listen what he's actually saying. Tucker's doing a great job breaking this down. Remember, this is where, you know, Doug Burgum started his career before he went into Microsoft. This is where he was. And what the issue was, Right. The world to be a better place. But the two, uh, and perhaps you're right, but to dismiss our present concerns as too far gone to fix is a little bit like setting a fire and then not calling the fire department because the building's a total loss. There you go. Thank you. This is why I like Tucker, because he hears between the words, and this is what's important for us to do. So, Now, before we have to break, I think I have about two and a half minutes. I want to pull up again that video so you can hear Doug Burgum 
tell you what set me off yesterday and where I realized he is it. He's the one that does the smart restart. Smart restart. In order to restart something, you got to zero it out, right? Listen. You talked earlier about only using 1% of hospital capacity, I think you said. Um, you, you, do you um, attribute that to the testing that you did early on? You launched an app, a mobile app. Can you talk about that and how it works? Well, we did, uh, we did act uh, quickly when we saw that the virus was coming. But one of the things we know on our path forward uh, is, of course, widespread testing, and everybody's talking about that. But testing needs to be linked with contact tracing. So when we find a positive, we've got a rapid response team to do drive-through testing, uh, test a significant number of people around that individual, and then begin a, a thorough contact tracing of all the contacts that they've had. It was largely done at small scale at largely a manual process and telephone interviews and paper. And there's an opportunity to bring technology both to the back end infrastructure uh, through uh, you know, cloud mobile databases that would allow us to track thousands of people and do that efficiently with distributed teams across the state doing localized either in a community or at a tribal setting doing contact tracing. Uh, and then we also use technology because virtually every citizen has got a you know supercomputer in their pocket called a you know smartphone that's got geolocating and our application allows people to opt in uh, and be completely anonymous they don't have to enter any personal data whatsoever not an email address not their home address uh, don't have a credit card nothing that would identify them the app assigns them a 36 digit anonymous 36 digit anonymous number yeah magnetic drum <laughs> We're going to get into that right after this short break. So this is where I realized that the state of North Dakota was picked because it is one of the most saddest states. It's the most corrupt states. It gets like an F everywhere. I mean, they do have a secretary of state that's been there over 20 somewhat years, an attorney general over 20, 20 odd years. They are so set in the ways that the people are just not able to respond anymore. <laughs> They're just subjects. I'll see you all right after this break, and we're going to break this down, how their mega plan is going tits up, thanks to President Trump. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. This is the second hour, and I'm going to break down to you how they select pilot 
areas, pilot state cities, you know, to deploy these, uh, you know, programs. Uh, because when you have an idea, right, you do a lot of research and you figure out where your demographics are in order to amplify what you want to showcase, right? And what you want to be implemented. And in order to do this, let's, let's say in order to find a place in the United States, that you can deploy um, voluntarily allowing the government to track you and provide you a risk score, you will have to have a very compliant demographic, a demographic that is showcased over the decades that they are willing to bow down to the boys club. You have to find a demographic that has media that is controlled by their overlords, such as the mayors, the council members, the attorney generals, the secretary of states, and the governors. And you also have to find um, one that is less, uh, I would say, into this century. So they're not completely dumb when it comes to technology, but, you know, because of their circumstance, I don't know, because they've been social distancing since their inception, their neighbors are far, they call a city a population of 250,000, you know, perfect. They're Americans, whoop, they're gun tootin' and they're red too, supposedly, supposedly, right? Because if they were really a Republican state, (laughs) they wouldn't have these clowns in office. So this is where you find that sweet spot. Now, Montana would have been a great place for them to do it. So would have Wyoming, so would have South Dakota, but see the tribes, the Native American population, the tribes that are in those states are uh, smarter, okay? <laughs> They're smarter because they work as a unit as opposed to independence as we see in North Dakota. This is why the tribes of uh, the state of North Dakota are have higher instances of human and child trafficking and how they are corrupt from within. And they have been corrupted from within with, you know, that special wine that makes you drunk on power. So this was the perfect state to pilot something like this. People that believe that indeed they believe in conservative values because the individuals actually do, but they feel powerless because they're run by a bunch of bullies in their villages, towns, cities, and the whole state. So they just comply because even the judges are the bullies, even, 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 even. So this was perfect. So Q music in 2016 Governor Burgum makes his appearance, coming out as an outsider, a tech mongol that is for the people, by the people, didn't even go with red or blue. He went with green and blue for his state, showing his dedication to these green ideas, okay? And this is how they usher in their plan. So here we have a man that believes that China is way better than the U.S., right? That believes that, hey, we missed that train. Why not hop on to the Chinese one? Because they're smarter. No, they're not smarter. We created China. China is the deep state. Let's put it point blank under Truman. Hence, Truman Show. So this this all was part of their plan. I mean, people were warned, right, through various means in uh, the year 2000, right before 9-11. And that was purposeful because sometimes when you put information out, right? That tickles the curiosity of people, right? 
It tickles the curiosity of both those that are the masterminds behind your enslavement and those that believe in freedom. So here's where, you know, another time traveler came in and said, Hey, you know, uh, there's going to be a civil war. This is going to happen. Then there's going to be like all these cities and then the rest of America, which is going to be separate. The rest of America will be lined up with people like Russia and whatever, because they believe in people's independence. Uh, you know, we still have guns. We hunt, we make our own food and the cities are the evil ones, the corporate centers, something out of a dystopian movie, but so true. So by making those statements at that time, things changed. We had nine 11 right after it. Uh, uh, oh, yep. They're right. We're going to have, we're going to have a revolution. We can't have that. Mm -mm -mm. You know, the Clintons failed to deliver it. Let's put this tool Bush jr. Up there and fix this. So that's what happened. And now Q music, <laughs> their plan is coming along. It was a, it was a nice plan. It was a 20 year rollout. Uh, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton was supposed to have taken it in 16 and just finalized it period. And they tested everything, even through their elections. McCain was really upset that, you know, this guy that was unknown and a nobody, it was a, it, you were the experiment. The United States was the experiment. How do you bring this guy? only reason Barack Hussein Obama won, right? The only reason he won was because he used social media and the internet. Remember that. That is the only reason he won because they realized how to weaponize it. And they built upon that. You gave them all the information they needed in order to deploy this. Just so you know. And like I said, every single one of us is responsible for this. Every single one. And this is why records and blackmails were created and happened. There was no hack of passports. I had taken those passports. I was told to take those passports and put them on another drive. You know, it was specific to people that were ready to whistleblow on the other end. Hence why they, you know, kind of were ousted, you know, other contractors from another contracting company, which is complete BS, just so you know. So, now that you understand in a synopsis, kind of rough around the edges idea of how they were going to deploy this. Now you see how they select their targets and North Dakota is perfect, right? Perfect. They're like, man, this man is making North Dakota so awesome. He put us on the map. He brought Microsoft to North Dakota in the middle of nowhere, gave us jobs. He's such a genius. Kind of like the way, um, Josh Deschamel makes like half a million dollars of North Dakota tax money because he's an actor and he supposedly brings in tourism when the slogan should say, come to North Dakota, but bring something to do. Cause there's nothing to do. It should. It literally should, unless you're into ice fishing, um, you know, and you want to experience that, uh, you know, there's really nothing to do and that's done purposely in order to deter an increase in population, because there is no excuse that the state of North Dakota in 2020 is in the state that it's at. Okay. Let's be, let's be clear. And this is a state that has the only state run bank in the nation. Keep it clear super rich yet Alaska gives money to their people, but North Dakota doesn't instead they put it in a fund and they're like, Oh, we're using that money like 50 years later. Why am I paying into a fund where I'm not going to see that money be used? Uh, I'm not with that, but you have no choice. You just have to listen and obey. And if you don't, you know, then you have problems. Uh, you know, North Dakotans really love abusing their legal system. Uh, but anyway, so perfect, 
demographic, the state of North Dakota. And here's where the overlord shines, right? They come in. The, these people are nice. North Dakotans are amazing people. And they're, they have like battered wives syndrome as citizens because they've just allowed them to completely assail them. It's like all of them, as they interact with their government, just hold on to a jar of Vaseline, Basically, that is the way they work. That's the way they operate. They must bow down or else there's a problem. And if the, and if the big boys don't like you, you're going to have a problem. Your business isn't going to flourish. You know, every, you know, they'll start making like pocket groups to talk something like they do that. There's just, there's like, oh my gosh, I don't even want to go to it. Like there's a story about a family that moved up from Florida and opened up like a coffee shop somewhere. And they were like, it was cheap. They bought their dream home. They loved it. They relocated and they were ousted for being outsiders. You know what I'm saying? kid you not, but that's purposely done because they needed it to deploy this. So let's listen again to what he said about the app and the lies he said on C-SPAN. Just listen to it again. You know, supercomputer in their pocket called a you know smartphone that's got geolocating and our application allows people to opt in uh, and be completely anonymous. They don't have to enter any personal data whatsoever, not an email address, not their home address. Uh, don't have a credit card, nothing that would identify them. The app assigns them a 36-digit anonymous random ID number, and then that information uh, can be used to uh, enable enhanced tracking uh, in the sense that, next, say, next September, we're wide open, and someone uh, that's working at a big-box retailer in checkout uh, comes down as a positive. We could alert without knowing who those people are. We could send out a push alert to anybody whose phone had been in that big-box retailer and say there's been a positive uh, a positive case has appeared at a location that you've been in in the last three or four days when that person might have been symptomatic. Uh, it would help those people to reach out to our contact tracers and help control the spread. So he mentioned the 70, the 36 digit, um, assigned number. He said that it'll be completely anonymous. No one will be able to find you, but we all know that when you actually download anything, uh, you know, your phone number, your, you know, everything is pretty much, um, uh, documented. So we all know that's rubbish, right? It's, it's plain and clear. Now I'm going to explain to you what this, um, 36, 36 digit, um, uh, thing has to, um, do with all this, uh, conversation. I'm trying to, um, take it back. So when you store something on a computer and I'm not going to go into super details because not everyone is tech friendly, right? But I'm going to show you, um, something that I know very well and, um, I'm going to tweet it out. I'll also put it on Facebook. Uh, so there's something called magnetic drum memory. So this, um, this type of memory is a very specific. I have very good experience with this. Um, uh, oh gosh, how do I say this without saying too much? Um, this a magnetic drum memory unit is perfect because it uses 36 digits in order to save data. And uh, each 36 digit number is recorded in zones. Okay. And each zone has um, like nine digits. So it's like nine times four. Now, um, the number that it records is done by 
um, the way the drum spins, um, in one revolution in four different stages. And nine, um, is the highest order. I always told you three, six, nine, right? Uh, anyway, the, the nine is the highest order, um, of locations of where it can be found first. And nine is the lowest order too. So it's last. Now, what this does is it allows for withdrawing, like taking information and putting it together faster. Um, now, a lot of people d- wouldn't understand how that works, but um, I want to say that the that um, in in England, for example, right, the British they had computers and their data um, recorded on and read from two hundred and fifty six tracks of the drums by uh, using only sixteen heads. And the heads uh, would travel 16 positions every 25, uh, you know, milliseconds. That saved time uh, about 80% um, in order to retract. Oh my gosh, I'm getting really technical. Okay, so let me let me put it this way. Uh, 36 digits, if you split it into four, you get nine, nine, very important number. So uh, when you want to pull information, so say you have pieces of a puzzle, there you go. That's what I wanted to put out. So you have pieces of a puzzle and you want to put them together really quick, right? Kind of like uh, extracting data, like uh, searching. It's kind of like Google searching, right? An algorithm. Ah, There we go. To search for something. Um, If they're stored in nines, they're a lot easier to detect. I can't explain it any other way. But here's the thing. IBM had uh, initially done this, and um, they had the first, uh, you know, type uh, magnetic uh, drum, um, memory drum, and you know we don't hear about it anymore. But the there the way there's a parallel system of data processing that's located on the drum surface. So going back to what I've been telling you that your DNA is your software. Uh, if you look at yourself as a computer, uh, right? Uh, your DNA, right? I want to extract information and create a protein. I'm a cell. Okay. So I create this protein, uh, this enzyme that latches on to a certain surface of your genetic code. And then that unravels. I actually did a video on YouTube talking about that somewhere, but, um, a long time ago, cause I used to teach the molecular biology side of things while I was a grad student, uh, for other people, cause there were no videos explaining this, but I want you to think of a, of a hose reel, right? So your DNA is literally tightly wrapped in a hose reel and it's super coiled, right? So this protein, this enzyme, whatever I just created as a cell latches onto something it's kind of like a click key. I want this hose reel. So then that hose reel comes out and then another, uh, you know, protein I make unzips it, like pulls out the, 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 the coil and then un you know, as it unravels, it says, all right, stop right here. This is what I'm looking for. Detection. Mm, Unzip. That's how the magnetic drum works. Okay. And it is like fascinating. If you think, um, that your DNA is also encoded in 36 digits. This terrifies me because I didn't expect that they would be so blatant, but yet so arrogant to push it where they're trying to reverse manufacture, well, I mean, play God, 
with something they shouldn't because then it results in things like me. And the problem is, is that how many, have you guys seen like movies like iRobot and all that stuff where they make artificial intelligence? So what if you had a bunch of robots, right? But only one of them was an okay robot that kind of, for some reason, still kept on to some humanity. The majority don't. And we know this. Why? Because computers think in ones and zeros. And if your software is rewritten, uh, you know, because people, human beings, terrestrial beings don't understand it, uh, they knock out specific genes to fit it in because they don't understand how to code over it. This is why the coronavirus, for example, is so stupid. It's got sticky feet to hijack. It doesn't have replacement or excision hijacks. Oh, am I getting too technical? I mean, DM me if I am. So what he said was terrifying because could you imagine if there were a lot of bees running around? I'm just saying that would be a big problem. And you're going to say, well, you know, the one thing that DNA does is repair at a younger age because the telomeres of your DNA are still solid. I think Alex Jones talked about that a lot. And that's a, a research that I want to engage in with someone. But, you know, we have to, like, put it together, proposal, funds. I mean, I don't even have time for that. I'm just I'm just having time living right now, I think. But um, this... This is, this is why at a younger age, uh, they target people. And this is why the experiments that Epstein, Tedros, Bill Gates, and others have been doing is to identify, um, how certain, uh, genetic codes, uh, respond to certain implementations. Gosh, I did, I did confuse you guys, didn't I? I, I, you know, and the thing is, I say it, if you can't explain it simply enough, you don't know it well enough. I know this all too well, but the thing is, it is so intricate. It goes back and forth. Um, and you need to have at least some basis, but to understand it, but, uh, okay, you get it. All right, good. So I'll stick to that hose coil. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. So what we have here is their ability to merge technology with your health. And this is what we're going to be seeing deployed and it's happening in North Dakota. Why do I say this? As he said in that video, we need to do testing as well as, you know, track and trace, right? And he calls it, the program is called Smart Restart. It means to start all over. It means what? You nuke something and start it over again? Like, what is it? Smart Restart. It means that we start from zero, okay? We start from zero. And so what he wants is to increase the testing as well as deploy this app because they're not at the place right now where they can demand that people get chipped with it instead, you know, seriously tag you. Instead, they know that you're attached to your phone. You will take that everywhere. They can hear your conversations. And when you approve and download this app, you are now registered as a variable in the larger computer and you're registered in a 36 digit. So that way they can extract specified information, kind of like the way that DNA protein goes where it latches on and then it extracts from that, if that makes sense. So it comes together. This is where it gets really, really scary when he's pushing on this and when he puts it. Now, all of this, all of this is very important because you have allowed, well, the state of North Dakota, the people of North Dakota have allowed to be in this position 
by allowing their mainstream media to beef this up as something beautiful, as something that they need. But if you actually look at the numbers, I'm just saying, this is what's so bizarre. If you actually look at the numbers, we have, and I quote from today, the state of North Dakota today had 39 positive test results. Daily tests that they have completed as of today, um, uh, 1,119. There were a total of 17,000 tests done in a population of about seven to 800,000. That's a pretty big chunk. 15 deaths throughout the whole state, right? 67 cases required hospitalization. 17 are currently hospitalized and 285 of those cases have recovered. So in total, 15 deaths, right? And how many of those are really coronavirus guys, all underlying conditions, right? Remember that, which if you get the flu and you have an underlying condition, here we go. The state is in full shutdown. So the state also asked the federal government to give it money to pay for unemployment. And North Dakota has people that don't like to work, except for the farmers and the people that go on oil rigs. They love to mooch off the teat of the people. And so because they're majority losers um, that, <laughs> you know, just teat off. Just saying. So I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but they're the perfect place to deploy this. So the governor had, being Microsoft and Gates and loving him, decides that his state is the one that's going to deploy it, right? Before he did that, he had his attorney general, who they're rivals in some way, but not really, but because they each have blackmail on each other, basically, creates and ensures that there's a regulation in place that allows the health director of the state to sign executive orders, right? On behalf of the governor. So they can lock down, they can enforce, you know, quarantines, they can enforce mass vaccination programs. This was all done while the state was sleeping and complying. So this state has 15 deaths, 15. And these aren't people that congregate in, in closed spaces a lot. It's usually like going over a friend's house and stuff. I mean, in most cities, the, the, the place to meet and talk smack and gossip is Walmart or Perkins. I kid you not. They think, you know, Olive Garden is a restaurant. They're different. They're rural. They are the core and the backbone of America, guys. This is Americana. That state is complete Americana. Seriously, no joke. These people are awesome and they've been duped because they're so awesome and submissive. So here we have the governor shutting everything down, uh, putting people to get out on unemployment, tanking his energy market because now they can't work, right? So now he wants relief for our oil and gas, tanking anything you can imagine, right? Except for wind energy, which is so weird. We'll get to that. And so uh, you know, he's forcing people to, uh, well, forcing, I would say he's strongly suggesting for people to go get testing, right? So they can aggregate data while he's colluding with people of Microsoft to deploy this plan, this app, which is going to make him a ton of money or his friend that made the first app that was tracking people, which is sports fans. So here's where the cusp goes. So he does all this. Right. And here's and here's where you see the loyalty lie. I'm going to play this clip again and I'll tweet this out um, right after the show. And I'm writing an article about this where I can sequester all of this for you guys to digest it a little bit better. 
This makes me so angry when I heard this. I hope all of you are getting as angry as I am. Listen to this. It's insane. I got to ask you this just because you're friends with him. So I want to get your reaction. Uh, Bill Gates tweeted out last week when President Trump wanted to halt funding to the WHO. Zach, if you can bring the graphic up, please. But Bill Gates said halting funding for the World Health Organization during a world health crisis is as dangerous as it sounds. Their work is slowing the spread of COVID-19. And if that work is stopped, no other organization can replace them. The world needs the World Health Organization now more than ever. Do you agree with Bill? First of all, that reporter said, he's your friend. He's referring to Bill Gates because they're really good friends. Because after McKinsey, you know, the one that pushes the Chinese propaganda and says, well, we missed the train. So let's just join China, right? He sold his company, which was a software company to Bill Gates and they became friends. This is how he created a Microsoft campus in the middle of nowhere and created jobs, which is great. Don't get me wrong, because I think that North Dakota is underdeveloped purposely because uh, I thought startups should be there, you know, call it Snowy Valley. I mean, they've got tons of land that's not being used and they can attract more people, but they just don't want the population. And the reason is this, this is why they don't want a population because their overlords want it the way it is. Listen, Bill Gates on this. Well, I'm, I'm not a, uh, going to get jump in the middle between, uh, the president of the United States and Bill Gates about funding for World Health Organization, but well, I'm I'm not a uh, going to get jump in the middle between uh, the president of the United States and Bill Gates about why not? He's your friend, right? I mean, this reporter, I consider him a friend. Uh, I I throw him under the I'm going to call him out. I told him this was a weak sauce interview for North Dakota. It was actually strong sauce, just so you know, because nobody dares asks, you know, the governor any questions where you make him uncomfortable. But here's where he tells you straight out. Oh, puts Bill Gates and the president of the United States on the same platform and says, I don't want to get in the middle of them. Dude, one's the president of the United States. The other one's a, a dropout. Right who's not a doctor, not an engineer, not an immunologist, not, not, not. And you're siding with the guy that's not, 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 and not the president. See, he's the president. You're fake news, right? He said it. About funding for World Health Organization, but uh, because it's, it's an interesting thing where the United States does pay more than any other country for our portion of that, and yet only about 3 or 4% of the people that work there uh, are... Uh, are from the United States. And so there probably are, if we're going to be the largest funder, then we might want to have a, a, a more more people from our country working there. Uh, so there could be some changes there. But anytime when, anytime when you're helping fund a nonprofit, uh, you ought to have some say what goes on there. Sure. Uh, Wait, so look at how he flipped this. Oh, I don't think we need to stop funding the WHO, right? Which, by the way, is run by Tedros, which, by the way, had run atrocious experiments. We talked about this weeks ago. Now there's articles floating around. Finally, how he was conducting atrocious experiments in Ethiopia with Jeffrey Epstein, with Harvard, with Bill Gates, and mind you, Tedros is a malaria expert. Again, malaria expert. So he says we shouldn't stop funding the who, the malaria expert that knows exactly what hydroxychloroquine can do, but kept his mouth shut. The one that was pushing the Chinese propaganda, because since we missed that train, let's just jump on. Hence the, why are you fighting Huawei question, right? So here we go with him 
clearly showing you what side of the fence he's on. Clearly showing you. Oh, maybe we just need more Americans on there. So we should have more say because we pay more. No, we don't need a global organization telling us what to do. Kind of like how President Trump straight out of the gate after he was you know, sworn in as president said, uh, yeah, we're not recognizing the international criminal court. No one's going to tell us how to run our, our courts. No one's going to tell us what is a crime. Uh, you do you boo boo. We'll do us over here. So this is where globalization rears its head and tells you exactly where it sits. And here's the really freaky part. As you can see it, clear as day that this is all rubbish their media and you know what their local media is so well established it's ridiculous like you know the farmers love to sit on their tractors and listen to their talk radio and and, and, uh, you know and just go with it and they've trusted voices on the air for a long time that that i believe at their core right like this scott hennon guy i called out i was shocked shocked i was more upset you know, because when people trust you because you're down there in the putting on the galoshes and walking through their farms together to report on their, you know, bad hardship or, you know, when you're down there, you know, talking with the people and you're sitting down and having candid conversations you, and you betray them when they need you the most, you need to be called out like nobody's business. See, I expect their local TV news stations to, to say whatever because they're all bought by, you know, NBC. CBS. I mean, come on, we know. So I expect that. But from the local grassroots people like them that are supposed to be the voice of the people to, you know, dress this up, it's still a pig. You could put lipstick on it. It's still a pig. And the people need to know that they can't trust you because you're more worried about them not giving you ads because you know how it works. There's one ad company that works in the state of North Dakota and they're the ones that, uh, buy space for people, uh, with money. So, you know, for politicians and blah, 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 blah. So they're terrified that no one's going to advertise on them. Well, don't you, don't you think you should be more terrified when people find out that you've, you know, claimed that the governor does everything for the people that he's great because I'm going to tell you what no he didn't you know that lm tragedy where they like shut down that whole wind solar coming what if i told you he let all these people get infected what would you say ah what yes that's where he's at it was all about staging it because he said it himself in that clip that i played the other day oh you know we might have our own smithfield right because he knew about it before the shutdown order was given he knew about it because he was communicating and you know what saying this on air because i know that those emails have gone out uh you're on notice don't delete any emails because the next open records request is going to be just that they knew that someone had this kung flu in this closed environment that you know didn't have the appropriate measures or whatever 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 it is right they knew and they did nothing oh let's just wait and see how this pans out then suddenly spike and they decide anyone that works for this company is quarantined you can't leave your house period you are on house arrest and we heard the governor talk about it too uh the mayor of that city that houses that company too but listen to what else he says in regards to gates just so that you can see how they plan this all out they use the right location and they deploy this and this is the guy that's going to give the 36 digit initiation right voluntarily which ties into that crazy patent you see about mining for currency which is going to start off as something else and i'll tell you about it 
So I, under, I understand that position uh, that, that the president feels that we ought to have more more say, but I also understand uh, that this would probably be the wrong time to defund an organization that's probably trying to stop a pandemic that has sir, brought the world economy to a close. To be fair, sir, they took China's talking points and said, hey, there's no person-to-person transmission back in like the middle or late January. I mean, they, they clearly lied and people have died because of it. So remember, this is the guy that worked for McKinsey, that, right? That we heard Tucker talking to one of the guys that totally aligned with, did they, you know, China's doing the greater good. You know, if we kill a few people and, you know, whatever, uh, you know, China's there and we lost that train. Let's just hop on. And this is Governor Burgum, right, of the state of North Dakota that you think is red, but for other reasons, right? It means Chinese, right? So this guy is sitting there, uh, you know, defending the organization that literally used Chinese talking points. Well, that wasn't your question. Your question was, you know, should you stop funding them? And clearly mistakes have been made. Uh, but this is the organization that's trying to stop a pandemic. And and, uh, my- and I guess if uh, people want to have our economy being collapsed longer, then we shouldn't have any coordinated uh, effort around the world to stop it. But if that's our, I would say, the best way to try to influence, and if we're a major funder, then we should influence it towards the higher performance uh, going forward. Governor Burgum, thanks for the really <laughs> driving it forward. Okay, so now let's go to uh, listen to this mayor of Grand Forks and how he says that um, he's going to slap on ankle bracelets to people that leave their house. I kid you not, he said that with his own mouth. And oh, the thing is, is that I I kind of like follow the Valley News Live page and Chris Berg's um, page on Facebook, and I'm just shocked that none of them. Uh, you know, said anything on that. Like nobody was upset. Nobody was like, what? Listen to him. He said it with it. He said this stuff out loud because I sent a quick email to Chris and I was like, oh my God, did I just hear this guy say these, did he say that out loud and nobody batted an eyelash? I kid you not. Nobody batted an eyelash. Listen to it yourself. That you're, you're going to now enforce an executive order signed by the Department of Health Director, which I never voted for my own Tufty. I don't think you did either. Yeah. How are you going to usurp my constitutional right for peaceful assembly? I think sometimes public safety, and that's why this is evolving. Maybe we have to say, hey, we respect your right for public assembly, but not more than 10 People and we we have expectations now. We want people to behave, and these were first were guidelines. Now they're expectations. You go out in the community. I want to see you wear a mask when you're in a public place. I want to see you use hand sanitizing. I want to see you clean the place the places you work. So these things are evolving. So just so I'm clear, you're saying now I can go out of my house, but it isn't to be ten feet away. Because a moment ago you said I couldn't go out of my house. If I did, I was going to have to wear an ankle bracelet. If you are on quarantine or isolation, if you're on if you're on isolation then I think you're subject possibly to the ankle bracelet. So that's my question. How can you usurp my constitutional right for peaceful assembly? That's up to the lawyers and to decide. Let me ask you. Wow. You know, I guess this is the only, and it's mellow, but mellow, but this is the only voice that that poor state has to ask like questions, right? Did you hear that? That they will start putting ankle bracelets because you must stay where you are if they decide that you need to stay in your house. House arrest with an ankle bracelet, says the mayor of Grand Forks, until they decide that you're allowed. Under what? Just because I said so. Are you seeing this? So we have 
the tracking app care 19. And here's how it's going to be implemented. Do you want unemployment insurance? Oh, by the way, hiatus on that one. So as a 1099 contractor, right, I'm entitled to unemployment insurance. So I went to my state's website to file for it and I've been constantly denied. Now, finally, my state put up a page saying, oh, we've expanded it because the CARES Act said so. And they said, oh, you can apply in May and we'll back pay you for whenever. And it's like, hold on a sec. So what do I do from, you know, (laughs) since you've hindered my income until May? Yeah. No one's going to answer that because no one's in the office and you can't ask that. So obviously when I appeal it, I said... (laughs) CARES Act said that I can have it. If I have to wait till May, okay, are you going to be paying my bills? Are you going to be feeding me? Like, how are we going to do this? I just wanted to say. So in North Dakota, if you're going to want UI, you're going to have to download this app and be tested. If you're going to want a job, right, or go back to work, they need to see that you've been tested and that you have this app because you're leaving the house and you're at risk. So I need to see your risk score. This is is how they will do it. And he's pretty much said it. That's how it's being implemented, period. Because now your local mayor in the state of North Dakota can slap an ankle bracelet on you if you've come in contact with someone that may or may not have coronavirus, even though they only have 15 dead, 15 dead, right? The whole state throughout this whole time. And people social distance anyway. So here's where we go to the, to, to the point that I want to make is that we had the governor of North Dakota actually, uh, in a speech and I'm, I've been plowing through to find this, uh, where he was talking about Smithfield and how he was saying that, you know, North Dakota may have their own Smithfield, you know, we could be in that position. And this was days before they decided to shut down the place that, um, you know, um, say it, uh, actually shut down LM that had an outbreak. Now I'm going to play a clip for you on what else they're doing. Drones delivering medical supplies and they'll be used to detect health issues. This comes straight out of the North Dakota Health Department. Listen to this. They're going to be taking your temperatures. You walk down the street and if they hear a cough, they will come closer to detect. Listen. Uh, the information that's collected about location is not associated with you, not your phone number, uh, or any of your other personal information, not your email address. Uh, lies, and lies, lies. To download. Uh, the new the Care 19 app is also going to keep getting better. We did have some questions yesterday about uh, location. The new version is going to offer improved location uh, tracking and another other capabilities. It will also incorporate uh, joint Bluetooth proximity tracking. Okay, so just so that you understand, Bluetooth proximity tracking. Do you know what that is? Oh, that is if I walk by you and you have your Bluetooth on, right? I can then get information off your phone because you have it on. Are are you understanding what I'm telling you? Right. So they're not only tracking. So if I download the app and I walk next to someone that doesn't have the app, it's still registering the other phone. I just can't track it, but I get the device ID and everything else. Are you, are you listening to me? This is, this is a big problem. This is a huge, massive problem coming straight from the horse's mouth. He's telling you what they are doing. Okay. He's telling you what they are doing. This is just the app. Wait till we get to the drones.
Many people that follow tech probably saw the uh, really uh, incredible announcement that Apple and Google, uh, the two largest phone providers in the world, they announced uh, a few weeks ago that they were going to uh, figure out a way uh, to get the algorithm because each of them used different approaches for Bluetooth, uh, that there's going to be. You mean Google and Apple platforms, right? Android and Apple platforms use different ways to access people's Bluetooth without knowing they access people's Bluetooth. Oh, and we should talk about NFC, near field communication. You know how you use your, your, your GPay and if you walk by something, you can scan it and it'll give you a bunch of information. Yeah, NFC. Guys, you have no idea. He's telling you that we have ways to spy on you. And once you download this app, we're not only completely spying on you and asking for location data from all the other apps that are collecting it, but we're going to try to infiltrate other people's phones that are next to you, right? So we can infiltrate their phones or at least have an idea of who they are. Guys, listen carefully to this. If anybody you know has downloaded this app, stay far, far away because they're just going to hack on whatever they can from your device and your device. You know, I tell this to my friends all the time. Oh my gosh, my phone was hacked. And I said, did you take your phone to a meeting? Why didn't you use a Faraday bag? You guys should all invest in one. The uh, interoperability between the Apple and Google platform on uh, Bluetooth proximity tracking and the, the Care 19 uh, app will be able to incorporate that uh, capability. And again, uh, what's the primary benefit here? The primary benefit, of course, is saving lives uh, and helping us get reopened and going. Uh, but what it will... They're closed because they have 15 deaths and all 15 are not straight straight coronavirus because now we have Pennsylvania auditing their deaths, right? That weren't coronavirus was said to be coronavirus that has slashed their numbers more than two thirds of what was really coronavirus death. Want to autopsy those 15 dead people taking bets. Will allow is when again in an anonymous way uh, down the road. Let's say it's next fall, and you're at a large gathering event, and there's been a breakout, and there's somebody who tested positive who was at that large event. Anybody using Care 19 uh, would could get a notification that said you've been. Stop! Did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said? He said Core 19. Did you hear what he said? And if you look at the app, it's a heart with a little circle on the blue side. Do you know what Core is? Mm. And for those of you listening right now, I'm going to send you a picture of a Core, which is called mm, the magnetic drum memory. It's actually called the Core. Core, get this. 19 just tweeted that out. So this is what this governor is deploying and everyone is complying with voluntarily. No one is listening to what he's saying. You heard the slip up. He said core 19. And then he said care been a place or in a location where there have been uh, other confirmed positives or where confirmed positives have also been so that you can proactively take steps to help reduce the spread. And we can notify you based on a 36-digit random, randomized uh, uh, anonymous number that is assigned to you. 
36 randomized, uh, uh, no, it's not anonymous. You, and so we're not sending it to a person. Uh, we're sending it essentially to a, uh, a randomized number who we don't know who that is, but we know that that, that phone has been in a place where there had been positive contact. So again, takes care of privacy, but has the ability to alert you. And this is one of the tools uh, that will, will allow us to get back to having larger events. Uh, on the back end of contact tracing, you know, right now, as I've explained before, uh, historically, when there was only a few number of, of cases uh, around something, say, like Ebola, that was, you know, again, uh, infectious and deadly, but uh, but had limited spread, uh, contact tracing could be done in a largely manual manual basis. Uh, we need to build in the back end infrastructure to support this. Uh, you can see an example of what's happening uh, in Grand Forks uh, with the LM wind plant, where we have over 900 members that work there, uh, tracking uh, all of the individuals and who they may have come in contact to quickly scales up uh, to a very large, you know, very large mathematical number of people. And we need to have the back end infrastructure. And again, with Vern Dosh's background uh, in the software industry, this is going to be very helpful. Uh, the state of North Dakota had an existing contract with Microsoft. And so without, uh, through an existing contract, we were able to quickly stand up uh, Microsoft Dynamics CRM solutions CRM standing, uh, meaning customer relationship management, because that's really what this is uh, in terms of a tool. And we'll be able to, uh, you know, track those cases uh, and improve this electronic case management in coordination with local public health officials. And that's going to, this automation is going to help us uh, be quicker and more efficient and save state tax dollars and time and money. So again, uh, to help on this, please download and use the CARE uh, 19 uh, app. Uh, get it from the App Store and now the Google Play Store, and the links to, to that can be found at the ndresponse.gov COVID-19 resources CARE 19, you know, and you can help us with the North Dakota Smart Restart, and you can help us save lives. Okay, uh, next up, we're really pleased to have uh, uh, Michelle Comer uh, here uh, today from Commerce, and she's going to talk us uh, a little bit about through uh, some of the work that's been done uh, with by our economic resiliency team and what's going on in terms of North Dakota Smart Restart, uh, getting lots of questions from business owners that are navigating uh, through these challenging times, but we want you all to know uh, that, that as a uh, a, someone who spent my entire life in business and including small business, uh, both at the beginning and the, and sort of the end of my career, uh, understand all the trials and tribulations and all the heart and energy that you've poured into building those businesses. And while there are a lot of federal programs that are out there that are providing unprecedented support, we know that in some cases this isn't enough or isn't coming close to meet the need. And so we want to continue to listen, continue. Yeah, he doesn't want to use his piggy bank, right? He wants to, um, you know, use uh, the dollars that the uh, clowns in the Senate and the House are giving him, right? Kevin Kramer, don't bend the knee. You are different, and that's why everyone wants you. But uh, let him use his own piggy bank. I mean, he could get money from, you know, like he said, he's doing the smart restart kind of start sounds like smart societies smart cities have you seen those programs yeah those are the gestapo eu programs they've been piloting them around the world while you were sleeping this is your invisible enemy this governor is one of the you know head leaders like the gray worms of the army that have no cojones whatsoever to stand up these are crimes against humanity unfolding in front of your eyes and no one's paying attention and they use the poor state of north dakota the strong 
strongest state that supports us. It feeds, fuels, and protects us. Huh. They hijacked it. Can you believe it? Listen to this. Getting the one of these categories, the pandemic unemployment assistant claims, getting the checks out to individuals. We know that. And they have a big fat bank. Uh, and if someone uh, is goes through recidivism or ends up back in that system because of a uh, infringement or crime related to their addiction, uh, it's much more cost effective for us to be treating the disease uh, versus incarcerating people with the disease. And so this is, makes a ton of sense in terms of being the right thing to do and also the financially smart thing to do for taxpayers. So this is a win-win-win all the way around. Uh, program. I'm trying to find the drone part. To make sure they're treated correctly and they're not... Hold on. Have you received any of those letters? Plans, but none of them are announced uh, Gosh, yet. Gosh darn it! Uh, I don't see where today. the drone uh, thing and so, is. And, and when we do do again. those, affecting uh, others or potentially infecting others. Gosh darn it! He's he, it's it's in it's an it's an hour long video, and accidentally I knocked off my marker that I had. But he was talking about how drones are now going to be flying around the cities. And mind you, John Hoven, Senator John Hoven, the, one of the most corrupt senators I have ever seen. He's one of the richest too, right? Um, actually, he has been funding and pushing. He was the one that was siding with Pelosi. Oh, we need smart walls, not a real wall. But he's a Republican, nevertheless. Never trust a man with a mustache like that, ever. With his stupid little porn stash. We know, everybody knows, whatever. So this guy has been piloting drones, and now they're going to be using drones in the state to take your temperatures. You walk outside, you know, they hear a cough or a sneeze. The drone's going to be able to detect that and go to the area. And then through facial recognition programs, understand who you are, where you live, what you are. And then you get a knock on the door, pretty much. Why didn't you download the app? So this is... The state of North Dakota that almost everybody and their mother thinks is a red state and it is clearly super red, but it's Chinese super red. This is where we're at. You guys, this is what they are doing. This is what they are deploying. This is horrible and it's happening right in front of our eyes. The invisible enemy is not the ones that are talking to you. It's not Soros. It's people that are empowered with certain, uh, I, I want to say that have certain access to hijack you. Okay. Cause you've been conditioned to accept this. I mean, that guy, Scott Hennon, he even responded to me on Twitter. You guys, hold on. Let me read you what he said. And I was so so insanely shocked. I was so shocked that he even had the cojones to say something like this. Uh, he was supporting what Governor Burgum was saying. Uh, it was the most bizarre thing I have ever read. Gosh, where is it? Because he said, oh, bootlicking. He wanted to be smart. And I was like, dude, never engage with someone that can crush you. He said, bootlicks, question marks. He comes on a weekly and takes every question asked of him. Maybe you shouldn't hide behind a keyboard. The guy knows exactly who I am. I've actually met him. And he even had... Never mind. Maybe you shouldn't hide behind the keyboard and you might want to look at his job approval rating. You mean the one that you keep tooting, like how Biden's ahead four points or whatever? Yeah, we believe that. My view of the governor is shared by the vast majority of citizens of North Dakota. Guys, what do you, what does that tell you? Hey, the greater good. Hey, everybody believes that he's awesome. So he's got to be awesome. No, he's not. He's deploying Chinese technology. He is put, slapping on invisible chains.
to every man, woman, and child in that state. He is going to be following you through a drone. He is giving you a 36-digit number, random. He clearly said on the video himself he's working with them to find out how they can activate your Bluetooth to see activity. And what is that Bluetooth? Because if you have your Bluetooth on because you're using AirPods, see how how this works? You have it on because you're using AirPods. That allows me with my Core 19, oh, my mistake. Care 19 app to walk by you and then hijack your Bluetooth and get your device location. All I need is your device. Why can't Laura Loomer make just some dummy account and get on Twitter? Because Twitter records your darn device ID when they ban you. So you need a whole new device. But yet he claims that it's anonymous. This is how dumb people are. Hmm? And it's not because they're stupid or unintelligent. It's because they're being bombarded by fake news by people that bootleg lick like Scott Hennon and his little sidekick, you know, potster that have been entrusted for over 30 years to be the voice of the people telling them how good this is for them. Oh, it's really good. You need to download that app. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, you get your talking points. Fake news is why we're in this state because fake news is the front line offense of the reality hackers. This is why our president has been pointing out fake news because they are the frontliners of reality hacking. And I've explained it. And we're next week. Well, actually I think Millie Weaver is going to tell you exactly who reality hackers are. So you need to stay tuned for that one. On that note, I want to wish everyone a fabulous weekend. Gosh, we ran out of time. Um, God bless. Stay safe. And, um, you know, pray. Pray, you guys. That's all I can say is pray. Because we're going to need it. Pray for North Dakota. North Dakota needs your prayers right now. God bless from all of us here at Red State.